Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Tonight we're going to talk about the effects of Holy Ghost power. The effects of Holy Ghost power. So Father, as we study your word tonight, we just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to give us understanding and revelation knowledge of what you would have us to hear and know tonight. That we can be transformed and changed from glory to glory to conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he has apprehended us. That we could rise up, dear Father God, and look to you by the power of your Holy Spirit for anointing some on high to carry out the purpose of your will individually and collectively as a church body. And as always, Father, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, uh, verses 11 and 12, we read here, this talking about John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy, worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So, of course, here, this is John the Baptist talking about how he was baptizing people in the waters of repentance. But he said, look, there's someone coming after me, and he is going to baptize you with Holy Ghost fire. And, of course, he was six months older than Jesus. We know that. And it wasn't long after that that Jesus came along and Jesus himself was baptized in that same water, even though he didn't have a need for it. But when he came up out of the water, the Holy Ghost fell upon him and anointed him and set him apart for his ministry and empowered him to do everything that he did. As a matter of fact, he said, the works that I do, I don't do it myself. It is the Father in me. He doeth the works. So in other words, even he as a man living on earth said what? I need the Holy Spirit to do what I've been called to do. And in Acts 10.38, we know that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Let me ask you a question tonight. If he needed Holy Ghost fire, do we? If the perfect, sinless, spotless Son of God needed Holy Ghost power, do we? Indeed. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24 and verse 49, before he left, Jesus talked much about the Holy Spirit. And the need for us to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. But notice what he says here. But they constrained him saying, abide with us. For it is, that's supposed to be 49. There you go. And behold, I send the promise of my father unto you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now this is Luke's writing his gospel. And he's quoting what Jesus said. You got to go there and wait until you're endued with power from on high. Now remember this. They walked with Jesus. They watched Jesus do what he did. And now they're told to go wait and don't do anything until they are endued with power from on high. Then in the book of Acts, we see it repeated by Luke. And he wrote the book of Acts. Look at chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Acts 1, 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Well, apparently he's making it very clear that he didn't want them to go apart and do anything until they were endued with this power from on high, until they were baptized with Holy Ghost fire. Why is Jesus so intent on them being filled with Holy Ghost fire? 
Why is he so insistent that they be filled with Holy Ghost fire? Well, I believe the answer to that is found in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And this is, of course, what the word of the Lord says. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O thou o great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. What he was making clear to Zerubbabel was the fact that it was not going to be any kind of personal assets, whether they be intellectual, military, political, uh, secular. Those weren't the things that would help him carry out the purpose that God had for his life. And even though there would be mountains that would stand in the way of opposition that would try to stop them from fulfilling the purpose of God, he said, look, you've got to depend upon the power and the might of the Holy Spirit to get the job done. And that was the only way you're going to accomplish that what God has called you to do. So it's not in our own personal strength, power, or ability. It's by the power and might of the Holy Spirit that we're able to carry out and accomplish the purposes that God has for our lives. And it wasn't just true for them back then. It's true for us today, just as much as it was back then. There is a need for the presence, the power, the gifting, the fire, the anointing of the Spirit of God to rest upon the people of God, to empower them with power from on high, equipping them for the work of the kingdom. Now, what I want to talk about is the effect of Holy Ghost fire in the life of a believer. Look at Acts chapter 2, first of all, 1 through 4, and let's, let's see what happened on the day of Pentecost. Because Jesus said this was going to happen to them, they would receive this power from on high. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they, be, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, too often what we do is focus our attention on the fact that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance and that's a fact. That's exactly what they did. But that was not the only effect of the fire of God falling upon each and every one individually and then of course collectively as a church you could say as a body they were the church at that time but what are the other effects of the Holy Spirit when that fire fell what is the effect of Holy Ghost fire and what should that effect be in our lives even today so let's look at some of the things that we can see number one first of all there was the destruction of satanic forces strongholds and plantings in the lives of the people. That's number one. Remember Peter? How fearful he was? How bound up he was by fear? Remember how when he was out there in the water on the boat and they feared for their lives? Remember how he was walking out on the water and he feared for his life? Remember when he saw Jesus walking on the water and he feared because he thought he saw a ghost? And remember how afraid he was when he was accused of knowing Jesus and he became fearful for his life. And so what did he do? The fear led him to do what? To lie and deny Jesus three times. You see, he was bound by fear beforehand. And fear was a stronghold of the enemy in his life. It was a planting of the enemy, you could say, in his life. And we know that fear doesn't come from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound, sound mind. But on the day of Pentecost, when the fire of God fell upon him, 
He was transformed. He was delivered from that fear. And he boldly stood up and proclaimed the word of God before the very people that he was afraid of. And he did it with boldness and with power that came from above. See, the fire of God fell upon him. And he proclaimed Jesus with no regard for his life whatsoever. He was liberated from fear. He was delivered and set free. And beloved, I believe that that same fire, that same power of Almighty God is available to every child of God to do what? Destroy every stronghold of the enemy, any planting of the enemy whatsoever in a person's life. We can look to him, praise God, to manifest that same Holy Ghost fire in our lives here today. And I believe that's exactly what he wants to do. We know the Father and we know Jesus, but you know what? This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Spirit who's at work in the earth today. And as we latch on to the Word of God and proclaim what it says, we give the Holy Spirit something to work with. So Holy Ghost fire is for each and every one of us. And we should desire and want to have as much of this Holy Ghost fire as we possibly can. And I believe if we will desire it with greater intensity... There, sh there shall be a manifestation of greater glory and greater fire of the Spirit, not just individually, but collectively as the church body. Number two, it also had the effect of a refiner's fire in their lives. I want you to notice in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, this used to be uh, what our youth group used all the time. It was called consumed before for this reason. For our God is a consuming fire. Where God manifests his fire, it is all consuming. And we here say that it's like a refiner's fire. Anybody here need refined? Can we all admit that we can use some refining every single one of us? Well, it comes from the refiner's fire as the Spirit of God manifests himself in this refiner's fire. So that we can be what? transformed and changed from glory to glory to be more like Jesus in our lives. Well, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, we're going to re once again refer back to Peter. This is verse 33, but this is in the English Standard Version of the Bible. Peter was full of himself. Peter was caught up into pride and spiritual pride and arrogance. As a matter of fact, just to say something like this, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. In other words, everybody else is capable of falling away, but not me. Isn't that something how we view ourselves so differently than other people and think we're so much stronger? But how soon did Peter realize how vulnerable he was? Right? Sure. He denied the Lord right away. Why? Once again, fear. He was fearful for his life. Backed into a corner. So he lied. He denied Christ three times. But he said he would never do that. He didn't even know himself, did he? But Jesus knew him better than he knew himself. But look at the book of Acts. After the fire fell upon him, he was purged of pride. See, Holy Ghost fire will manifest itself. It will do a work in us, praise God, that we can't do for ourselves. If we'll just but yield ourselves to the refiner's fire. Matter of fact, before we look at that verse of scripture... I want you to notice that uh, that same Wigglesworth that I just talked about a little bit ago, 
when he first got saved and started walking with God, he recognized the fact that he had a, an anger issue and problem in his life. And as a result, he said, I cannot represent you well with this anger that I possess. He went into his prayer closet and he says, I will not come out until your fire falls upon me and purges me from this thing. And he went before the Lord and he waited in the presence of God until the fire fell. And when it did, praise God, he was completely purged, delivered and set free. And anger was no longer an issue in his life. Praise God. Can you imagine that? Hallelujah. Well, Look at Proverbs first before we look at that next. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 18. You should know the scripture. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. He fell because he had a haughty spirit, a spirit of pride. But after Pentecost, he was purged. Look at Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 11. Here we have... Peter, after the lame man at the, at, the, at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, was healed and delivered. And it was Peter and John that did that miracle in the presence of all the people. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's Greatly Wandering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob the God of our fathers had glorified his son Jesus whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go but you denied the holy one and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of ye all. Notice he took no credit whatsoever for the miracle that took place. He took no credit for being in a place where he, let's say, demonstrated a degree of holiness that enabled this miracle to take place. He gave all the credit to whom? To God Almighty. And the power of the name of Jesus. So we see the fire of God coming upon Peter. And him being transformed, praise God. And refined. Delivered from this attitude of pride and arrogance. Recognizing that God resists the proud. But was, what does he do to the humble? He lifts up the humble, doesn't he? He exalts the humble. So praise God. Now, lest we think that that could not apply to us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. In this verse, we are told that we all need to be mindful of ourselves and where we're at, lest we also fall. And remember, these are examples that were written for us to follow so that we can learn from their mistakes. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So he's saying it's important. It's so absolutely important that we manifest an attitude of humility every day of our lives and don't allow ourselves to get caught up in the pride and how are we going to do that get before the presence of god every single day father may the fire of your spirit fall upon me afresh and anew you know we learn the bible intellectually and that's wonderful we should know what the bible teaches 
But we have to understand that it's designed for us to experience the reality of it. And the reality of it comes into our lives when we engage the Holy Spirit. We confess the Word of God and we believe that by His Spirit He is changing us from glory to glory. And so if we see a situation in our lives where we need refined, what do we need to do? Father, may the fire of your spirit fall upon me and purge me of whatever it might be that I need purged of. Amen? For all of us, praise God. No matter who we are, we all need it. Praise the Lord. Fire promotes, number three, spiritual growth and development. Fire promotes uh, church growth. Look at Acts chapter uh, 2 and verse 41. He's preaching, empowered by the Spirit. The fire of God has fallen. The cloven tongues are upon each of them. Peter steps out, empowered by the Spirit, to proclaim Jesus. And he speaks the word, empowered by the Spirit. And like Jeremiah, there's a fire in his bones. There is no fear. There is no intimidation. There is no pride. There is no arrogance. He is just proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ among all those that wanted to take his life with reckless abandon. He's not concerned about his life whatsoever. Then they, they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Boy, can I add something to that? I love to see people come to Christ, not because we use all kind of gimmicks to bring them in. I love to see them come when they hear somebody say that Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus rose again from the dead. He's alive right now and he wants you. He wants you to serve him, to love him, obey him, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him because you from your heart appreciate so deeply what he's done for you that all that he did commands your allegiance to him. That's why you want to serve him. And when they heard Peter preached this power-packed message as the fire of God fell upon him, they were pricked in their hearts and they gave their hearts to Jesus. Hallelujah. And the church began to grow. But then look at the next one in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and the number of the men was about 5,000. Once again, the fire of the Spirit is aglow and burning brightly. They are continuing to proclaim the gospel with power and demonstration. They continue to hear the word of God. 500 men, that means beside women and children, have now heard the word. They embrace it. They come to Jesus, plus the women and the children, which are not listed. So now the church has grown to 8,000 people. Why? Because of their hunger for the word of God. They love the word of God. Acts chapter 19, look at as it continues on. And you can basically understand that Acts, usually one chapter means a year. So we're talking about possibly 19 to 20 years later. They are still proclaiming the gospel. They are still preaching the name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. And many that believed came, I love this, and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which use curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it fitly, uh, and found it 
50,000 pieces of silver, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Notice it prevailed over the powers of darkness. How many times we have heard, my, my so-and-so is involved in this, my so-and-so is involved in that. And we try everything in the natural to get them to come around. Oh, my brother and my sister, we need the power, the fire of the Spirit of Almighty God. We need to lift our hearts to heaven and say, Father, may the fire fall upon their lives. May your glory, praise God, manifest to them. May it burn within their souls and purge out the darkness that the enemy has brought their way. We know we're battling not with flesh and blood, but against all these principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places and to combat those powers what do we need the supernatural power of almighty God remember what Paul said the church will get to a place where it has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof um, the only thing that can break through these forces is the fire of the spirit of God as we proclaim the word in power in demonstration the spirit of God falls and manifests himself Hallelujah. And the glory of the Lord, praise God, does its work. Uh, we should be to the point we actually believe, send labors of love that will speak out the word of God unashamedly everywhere they go, wherever your loved one goes who needs that deliverance, everywhere they go. May the power of God manifest as people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, speak to their hearts and minds the gospel. Amen? It's the fire of God that we need. It's the power of God that we need. It's only that that's going to do what is necessary. These agents of darkness were no match for the power of God. These people brought their curious arts and they presented them right there. They burned them. What an action on the part of these individuals. They saw that there was a greater force, a greater power. Do you recall the, the testimony of the story of the king and his, his uh, village and all the people that were involved in, in witchcraft and sorcery? They worshipped devils and demons and all that. It was in the Indonesian revival and they were just to the point to where they were preached to by these people from uh, the assembly that went out there to minister to the people that were involved in this revival. And they went to these villages and they said that they were there to proclaim Jesus. And the king said, why should I follow you're Jesus. We talk the demons ourselves. They're our friends. And when we ask them for something, they give us something. If we need this, they give it to us. If we need that, they give it to us. He said, I don't know. I'm just going to tell you this. Jesus said for us to come here and tell you that he wants you. So you know what? I'm going to pray a simple little prayer. And you can take it from there. And so he began to pray a little prayer. He said, I bind these demon powers. I bind these forces of evil. I take authority over all these spirits of darkness that are trying to, to, uh, to take a hold of these people's lives and so on and so forth. He says, I just have my eyes closed praying, praying for a little while. All of a sudden, the king was there before me weeping and, and, and shuddering and just saying, wait, 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 stop, stop. I want your Jesus. I want your Jesus. I want your Jesus. I want your Jesus. He said, what, are you what happened? And this guy that worshiped demons says, you don't know what happened? Uh, no, I was just praying a little prayer. He said, while you were praying, all the demons that I speak to, that I talk to, all the ones that I know that I'm engaged with here in this place, started packing their bags 
and leaving, saying to one another, we've got to leave. Jesus wants these people. We've got to leave. Jesus wants these people. Let's go. And they got out of there. He said, your Jesus must be so powerful. I want him in my life. You see, sometimes we just can't see beyond this natural world that we live in, can we? Although sometimes my desire is, Lord, why don't you just pull back the curtain a little bit so we can see a little bit on... Don't you feel the same way? We're so prone to look at it from a natural perspective that we don't see beyond it. But I'm telling you, all those people got saved in that village. And they stopped worshiping devils and demons because they saw that Jesus was much more powerful than they. Holy Ghost fire, when it falls, will manifest itself in powerful, powerful ways. Also, number four, soul winning fire. Soul winning fire. Acts chapter 2 again. Look at verse 46. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There was a fire burning in their bones that created a passion for lost souls in these people's lives. I mean, they were just so focused on leading people to Christ. It was fresh. It was anew. There was a fire burning within them. We've got to tell people about Jesus. Imagine the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when he saw Jesus. And all of a sudden he did this 180. And from that point on, everywhere he went, he told people about Jesus with no regard for his life whatsoever. He needed to let people know that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus sets free. It got him whipped. It got him beaten with rods. It got him put in jail. All kinds of things took place, but it did not bother him at all. He counted himself to be worthy to suffer shame for the name of the one that saved his soul. And so, beloved, there needs to be a fire to fall once again to remind us of our need that people every single to proclaim Jesus because people every day, they're being lost to eternity. They're entering the realms of darkness forever and ever and ever and ever, never ever to escape. I just, again, went online just reading some of these things. I heard about this when it took place way back years ago. But there's just a movie coming out right now about this. And the fellow's name was Carlton Pearson. He pastored the Higher Dimension Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a 5,000-member church. And we had someone from the church here that attended his church and went to his school there and was taught there. Came home one day and just said he became a heretic. He was a Pentecostal preacher, studied under Oral Roberts University. The movie's coming out April the 13th, I think, on Netflix. You can see it. You can go see a, um, a trailer of it, I think, online. This fellow said he came to believe in universalism. He completely changed his theology. And instead of believing, as he did, under Oral Roberts University, as a Pentecostal person who believed in being saved by the, and being washed in the blood of the Lamb, he said, now everybody is saved. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is, or what you do in life. God will not send anyone to hell. There's no place called hell. How deceived can anyone be? It's going to come out here. You can even watch it for yourself in April. But it's, it's true. But it's hard to imagine that someone could walk away from the truth like that. If someone in that position could be deceived, 
How many more out there in the world today are being deceived? Don't have to look very far to see how deceived many people are. So it's important that we recognize the need, not just to have a form of godliness, but we're talking about life-changing, life-transforming power and fire from above to burn within our souls, to equip us to proclaim Jesus, to let people know there's a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And it's so important that we serve God with our lives. And we can see this, look, in Acts chapter 4, look at their passion. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them uh, in hold unto the next day. For it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them of the men was about 5,000. Then go on down, verses 18 through 20. Because they preached Jesus, of course they were persecuted. Uh, when they did, down to verse, it's 18, verses 18, chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. If you can pull that up, chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. What happened was they were arrested for preaching and teaching Jesus. And as a result, they were warned, don't you dare preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You talk about fearlessness. You talk about boldness. Look, you could do what you want to us. It doesn't matter. What their eyes saw, what their hands handled, as they knew of the resurrection from the dead, empowered by the Holy Spirit, there is a fearless boldness about them that enabled them and equipped them to proclaim Jesus no matter what it meant as far as they were concerned. And so they proclaimed Jesus. They taught the gospel. They're now persecuted for it. They're warned not to do it any longer. But what do they do? Well, they don't listen to that. Look at, uh, go on down to verse 29. Their threats could not silence them, could not quench the fire that was in them. Hallelujah. I'm looking for a time when we gather together in this place, and I'll tell you what, we don't even have to preach. We just see the fire fall and the power of God manifest and just transform our lives in such a way, praise God, that we go from this place and with a, a joy unspeakable and full of glory, let the world know, praise God, that we serve a living God. And now, Lord, behold, their threatenings. Threatenings could not stop them, could not quench the fire. And grant to thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs of wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, notice, it's not military power, it's not political power, it's not intellectual power, it's not secular power whatsoever. The place was shaken when they were assembled together. They are connecting with God in this endeavor. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude and that believe were of one heart and one soul, one mind. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had all things common. And with great power gave they witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Praise God. Now that's the kind of grace I want. Great grace was upon them. Great power was upon them. Why? Because they were about the master's business. They had a passion for the lost souls around them. 
So when we talk about the baptism of the Spirit and fire, or we talk about the baptism of Holy Ghost fire, we're talking about the same effects that it had upon them to be had upon each and every one of us. So that whether we're playing an instrument, preaching from a pulpit, or singing out there, or just ministering and worshiping in the pew, there is a fire from heaven, praise God, that just floods our souls. We've come because we believe in Holy Ghost fire. We need Holy Ghost fire. And we want to be used of the Lord just like he used them back then. So may that same fire fill our hearts even here tonight. Number five, there was the fire of spiritual manifestations. We won't take time to read this whole first part of the first ten verses of Acts chapter five. You may know the story. Everybody sold their possessions. They divided up what they had. But Ananias and Sapphira, what did they do? They came before Peter and they said, this is what we sold our property for. And he said, really? Really, did you do that? Oh, yeah, for such and such a price. And, of course, he said to Ananias, you didn't lie to me. You're lying to the Holy Ghost. You're lying to God. So there was a revelation given to him by a word of knowledge. So we're not talking about the fire of God manifesting itself in manifestations such as spiritual gifts. He gets a revelation by word of knowledge. This man is lying. He said, would you let Satan put in your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You're lying to God. And he fell over dead. Then they finally got a hold of his wife and said, Did you sell your property for such and such? Oh yeah, we sold it for such and such a price. How can you, with your husband, do such a thing? And she fell over dead. And there was great fear among the people. You think there'd be great fear among the people if something like that happened today? You don't go lie to the Holy Ghost. Right? Well, that's what they did. So we see that happening. And then look, 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 we read verse 12. Look at verse 12. Notice here in verse 12 through, what, 15, 16? And now we see a manifestation of what? Healing. The gifts of healing and operation. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, there's no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude uh, from the cities round about and villages round about Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. So we see Holy Ghost fire manifesting itself in such a way that there were gifts of the spirit in operation, the word of knowledge, Gifts of healing taking place here and massive amounts of people being healed, delivered, and set free by the hand of Almighty God. Boy, do we desire the greater manifestation of the fire of God in this place? Do we hunger and thirst to have it, praise God, because it's only those of hunger and thirst that shall be filled? Can you say amen? amen. Look at the next part. Look at verse 17 through 20. So manifestations such as these. Then the high priest, once again, they were caught preaching and all that. You know, they, they didn't like it. High priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. I can't imagine people being filled with indignation when you see people that were sick, delivered and set free, that were bound by devils and demons that were delivered and set free, and lay their hands on them, on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors... And brought them forth and said, go stand and speak to the, in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And brought them forth and said, go stand. Notice they brought them. So they're actually talking to the angel. The angel's talking to them. So now we see the discerning of spirits in operation here as these people are talking to the angel. 
and he brings them out. And then as you read on, look at the next part, we see a supernatural way to travel. Now how this occurred, I don't really know, but if you can imagine, sometimes you see some of these commercials on television where this person is walking with their phone or texting or doing something, whatever, and all of a sudden does something and everything else stops around them and they're the only one that's walking. Can you imagine, was this the manifestation of this angel, angel of the Lord was there, and everybody else was frozen like it was when Jesus was raised from the dead? And somehow they opened up the doors of the prison and they got out supernaturally. And they go into the city and now they're preaching in the city. But that's what occurred. It was like when Peter, when he was delivered from prison as well, and he just kind of went through, possibly translocated. We see now supernatural travel happening. But here we'll read it. And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent, them to, sent to the priest to have them brought. See, they still didn't know that they were out. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly we found shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we, we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of themselves whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom we, you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They were already out. They had no idea that they left. They're preaching in the temple. And there they're still standing there guarding no one. And they have no idea how in the world they got out. Is our God the same yesterday, today, and forever and always? No wonder he prophesied. We've got to believe for bigger things and greater things and, and more wonderful things. Can we believe that God will continue to protect us in this place as every time we assemble together? Can we believe that our schools are protected by the mighty hand of Almighty God? And if someone does appear, that an angel of the Lord will stand before them because we believe to see the hand of God's protection and send them away? You think that's far-fetched? I remember a, a brother that I went to school with at Rainbow Bible Training Center when he went back to South Africa. He had a church there, and a church group pretty large. And there was a man that was coming straight down the, the aisle, and he, he had a, either a knife or a gun in his hand. He was heading for the pastor who just turned over and looked and pointed his finger at him. And when he did, in the name of Jesus, power of God hit him and knocked him down on the ground. He was under the power of the Spirit until the police came and arrested him and took him away. Praise God. We serve a mighty God. But have we stretched our faith to believe in these signs, wonders, miracles, manifestation of the power of Almighty God? And finally, look at the last one. Fire for the miraculous. And this kind of dovetailed together. But look at 1 Kings chapter 18. When God answers by fire. Oh, I'm telling you, and he does answer by fire. But where does he answer by fire? Where people's hearts are hungry and thirsty for the fire. And this is, of course, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And this is when people had walked away from the Lord, and even the prophets of the Lord had walked away. They're, they're, they're not serving God like they should. Came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant. Boy, underscore that. I am your servant. We've been saved to serve. Did you know that? And when anyone is called a servant of the Lord, that is an honor. 
to hear God say, this is my servant. And we can also hear him say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But anyhow, he said, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Notice the fire falls. The sacrifice is consumed. He's a consuming fire. And the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is the God. I'll tell you what, one thing like that, look what it does. Elijah could have preached forever and ever and ever. They wouldn't listen to what he had to say. They thought he was out there. They thought he was crazy. There was 401 as far as he was going to, and many more than that. But he said, okay, I know what we need. What do we need? Fire. Let the fire of God fall. Are you ready for the fire? Because where there's sacrifice, there will be fire. And when there's fire, there's going to be glory. Are you ready to sacrifice so we can have fire and the glory?